Back here on one-on-one, New York's longest-running sports call-in show, Jackson Isle, Andrew Glotta. Now a pleasure to be joined by Zach Braziller, uh, New York Post college basketball reporter, focused mostly on St. John, Seton Hall, Big East. Zach, thanks so much for taking the time this morning. How's everything going? Good, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. Appreciate it. And let's start with the Big East. And hottest team in the Big East right now, probably the Red Storm. Five straight wins for St. John's, coming off a huge win at home against Villanova. I mean, Mike Anderson has never had a losing season, and we're probably seeing why over these last few weeks. Posh Alexander has emerged as one of the best point guards in the Big East. What have you made of this St. John's resurgence lately? Yeah, it, it really kind of came out of nowhere. You know, they, they were not playing well. They were 1-5 in five of the league. The fan base was pretty pretty down. And now here they go. They win six, you know, five in a row, six of seven, and you know, they, they've now beaten decent teams. It's not just, you know, we not just like, you know, the bottom of the battle teams in the league. They obviously really outplayed Villanova. They won at UConn. They won at Marquette. Um, they're, they're playing very well. I mean, Alexander's been terrific. Um, Julian Champagny, the sophomore forward, is leading the league in scoring. You know, but it's really been their defense, you know. Their, their defense was really good last year. And for most of this year, until this stretch, it wasn't. They really struggled guarding the ball, and now you're seeing it lately. It's just – it's night and day. It's just – it's it's really – it's hard to kind of really understand just how they went from being a, a bad defensive team to what they are now, which is a very good defensive team. Yeah, and just obviously they've progressed so much this early in the season. Where do you feel like they can progress further to solidify themselves in the Big East and also for an NCAA tournament bid? Um, you know – you know, an issue with them is always rebounding. They're they're not very big. That that's going to be important. You know, for them moving forward. But it's it's just about consistency. You know, that's one thing they, they these last six seven games they've been consistent. You know, that's that's just that's been the key. It's just it's just being consistent. And, you know, it, sometimes they're it's tough to be consistent when your best players are a sophomore and a freshman, which is the case with Alexander and Champagny. But these guys have lately have just been so consistent you know I think important that they're, they're supposed to be getting Greg Williams Jr. back he's their third leading scorer he's a junior he's a very good defender and he's that's the thing they've been winning and they've without him and he's one of their best players so that's you know kind of even more impressive is they've been able to play this well without one of their one of their key guys and he's you know for for early part of the year he was sometimes their best player at least their second best player so, but I think they're going to need him because I think you're going to see some guys, you know, regress a little bit. You know, Posh isn't going to play this well every game. Champagne might have some off games. They're going to need Greg to really kind of play well and, and help out a little here. Zach, let's talk about the game specifically against Villanova because I think that if there's maybe one thing that was exposed on the Nova side of things is if you can take away Colin Gillespie, which is a very difficult task to do, they really struggled to get into a rhythm offensively. Do you view this as just a little bump in the road for Villanova, or do you think there's maybe a little bit of a bigger problem on offense for them? No, I th- I, I think it's just one game. You know, that I think St. John's matches up well with them because Villanova doesn't really hurt you in the paint, and that's one area you could really hurt St. John's. And, you know, most teams aren't don't play like St. John's. You know, they're not going to pressure yeah. you for 40 minutes. They're not going to pick up full court. And Villanova really, after Gillespie, doesn't have a ton of guard depth and a lot of ball handlers. And St. John's took advantage of that. 
but no, I, I think Philadelphia is very good. <laughs> I think it was a case of they got they got rattled a little bit. St. John's played as well as they can play, and and Villanova was off. But I I do not think all of a sudden there's this uh, you know blueprint for how you could really mm-hmm. shut Villanova down. I I just think it was one of those things where St. John's played a great game. Villanova didn't play well. And the matchup just worked in St. John's favor. Yeah, and obviously Villanova losing that game kind of opens, I guess, some questions like maybe teams can challenge Villanova here in the Big East. What team would you think gives them the biggest challenge going forward? Obviously St. John's beat them, but do you think another team could possibly knock them off or maybe in the tournament later on as well? Yeah, you know, I, I like Creighton a lot. Um, now they haven't played well either lately. You know, they're coming off a loss at, at – um, to, George, to, to Georgetown at home. They should have lost to DePaul. They play very poorly. They were down big to Seton Hall, but I still like Creighton. I think they're, they'll figure things out. They have a million scores. They, you know, they play, they could play fast. Uh, Marcus Zagorowski is terrific. Uh, Denzel Mahoney is terrific. They have so many guys who could score. I do like Creighton a lot. I think Creighton is right there with Villanova, but like, you know, they, they've got to figure things out, too. That's the funny thing about this league right now is yeah. the two teams that are ranked, the two teams that clearly on paper are the best teams are not playing well right now. And that's, you know, the other night, Wednesday night, you had both Creighton and Villanova lose and, and really lose comfortably. It was against, you know, it was pretty it was pretty stunning. It's amazing. You look at a team like Creighton, like one week they look like a team that could pretty easily get to the Elite Eight. And then you look at the losses on their schedule. I mean, home loss to Providence, Georgetown. They lost at Marquette. Um, at, actually, they lost to Marquette at home. But um, so volatile in this league. And one of the other teams that is similar in that you just don't know what you're getting from them every night is Seton Hall. And one of the weirder years in the Kevin Willard era, obviously trying to replace Miles Powell from a year ago. And they lost Quincy McKnight or Merrill Gill. But they still have a lot of talent. And they're still right in the thick of things in the Big East. What have you made of the Pirates this year? Yeah, you know, they, they started slow, which I, I kind of thought they would. Their their schedule was – they had a very tough non-conference schedule. Um, Bryce Aiken, a, a transfer from Harvard, they really expected to have – be a big um, producer offensively in the backcourt. Hasn't played a lot. He's had a lot of injuries. He's a very talented kid. He's healthy now. I think that's kind of hurt them. But, you know, I, I think they've had a pretty good year for the most part when you consider what they lost. Um, you know, look, they've they've lost some tough games. They 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 blew the lead, a big lead to Creighton home, which would have been a very big win. They they had Nova down at Villanova and, and didn't find a way to finish off that game. You know, they're still right there on the bubble. Um, I think they're going to make the tournament. They had a nice win over Province the other day. You know, I... I think this is – it's kind of one of those gap years, you know, after you're really good. If you could make the tournament, it just shows you the strength of your program. And I, I think they're going to make it. It's one thing about Kevin Willard's program. When, when their backs are against the wall, they respond. And they really responded against Providence um, very, very, very well. You know, they have a top 25 recruiting class coming in next year. I, I think it's just going to – they're going to going to keep rolling along. Um, but, you know, this is an interesting month for them, you know. They – they can make the tournament to make the tournament the year after everything they lost and, you know, a rough start and, and Aiken not really playing a lot would really speak volumes about this program. I think. Staying in New Jersey, but moving over to the big, uh, the big 10 right now with Rutgers and Rutgers football and basketball now turning around. What do you think the biggest key 
to the Rutgers basketball team turnaround this season? No, they were good last year. You know, they they were probably going to make they were going to make the tournament last year if we had a tournament. Obviously, we didn't. Um, they returned a ton. You know, Steve Peichel has done a terrific job. I mean, he's they're now starting to recruit better, but the strength of this team is guys who are kind of overlooked. You know, Miles Johnson wasn't a big recruit. Ron um, Geo Baker wasn't a big recruit. Ron Harper Jr. wasn't a big recruit. These are the three best players. He's done a phenomenal job at just developing guys and finding guys that really fit the way he wants to play. You know, he likes to play slow. He likes to be all about defense and, and grinding and, and, and toughness and hard work. And that's what Rutgers is. You know, I, I think they're very good. They, they went through a little a bad stretch there, you know, granted against some really good teams in the Big Ten. You know, they lost to like the likes of Iowa and Wisconsin and Ohio State. And, you know, the fans started kind of freaking out a little bit, but they've now won four straight and they're playing really well. They have to go to Iowa next week, which would be a very, very interesting game. But right now, I think they're probably like a seven seed in the tournament. And, you know, it's a shame, you know, with, with all these local teams playing well that there are no fans because it yeah. it's really shaping up to be a very fun season. You know, I could see all three big schools making the tournament, and that hasn't happened since 1991. And it's just, it's just too bad that the fans really can't be there to enjoy it. Speaking with Zach Brazil at the New York Post. And, Zach, I'm going to – ask you an impossible question, but with everything that has happened um, with those three programs, I mean, you look at the rebuilds that have taken place. I mean, Steve Peichel's done an awesome job. Kevin Willard has obviously rebuilt Seton Hall and Mike Anderson, it's only year two, but he's done a terrific job thus far getting this St. John's program on track. If you're starting a new program tomorrow, which of those three coaches are you starting it with? Uh, I'd probably go with Kevin Willard. I, I think he's a terrific coach. I really do. And I, I don't think people understand how hard it is to win at Seton Hall. It's easy. It's an easier program to win at than St. John's. I don't, I don't think there's any question. You know, St. John's has a, has a huge, has a much better following when, you know, New York city and the garden and everything. I get Rutgers is, is really tough. and It's been a long time, but it's a big state school. They have good facilities to be Seton Hall is what he's done. There is so impressive, you know, um, it, I don't think it's, it's basically a commuter school. Uh, they have a small fan base, you know, uh, to get, to get guys there and to develop them and to do what they've done. You know, he's made the tournament about four or five years in a row. And only now is their recruiting starting to kind of pick up. And it just speaks volumes about how good of a coach he is. And, you know, we'll see how long he lasts. There's always rumors about, could he go somewhere else? And, you know, mm -hmm this and that. Um, I know, I know this though, when he leaves Seton Hall fans, I don't think they appreciate him enough when he leaves. They're going to realize what a terrific coach they had and how lucky they were. Yeah. And moving nationally now, uh, I think the top two teams and right now I'd say they're above the rest is Gonzaga and Baylor right now, both the undefeated teams out of the two teams. If you were to pick one to win it all, who would you take? You know, I'm going Baylor. I think they're tougher. Um, they're obviously going to be more battle-tested coming out of the Big 12. You know, Gonzaga basically is going to have two months of scrimmages before the NCAA tournament. I, I think that matters. I, I, I think that's significant, you know. I also mm -hmm. don't think, you know, everyone seems to think, oh, these two teams are Final Four locks. One of these teams is going to win the championship. I, I don't believe that. I think we've seen, yeah. as good as they are, and I, I think these two teams are terrific. And they are clearly the two best teams in the country. 
but that doesn't mean they're going to the Final Four, and that doesn't mean they're cutting down the nets. We've seen it time and time again that teams that we think are just so clearly the best teams don't make it. It's just the way the tournament is. It's just too unpredictable. But if I'm picking one, I'm picking I'm picking Baylor just because they're just getting tested so much more. And that, to me, they're going to be just so much better prepared for the tournament than Gonzaga. And that's not Gonzaga's fault. It's just the way it is. They're they're not in as their conferences hurts them. I mean, I but I just I just love Baylor. I love their defense. I love the way they shoot the three, and they play in a brutal conference that tests them all the time. You mentioned that you think that it is a good possibility that one of these teams doesn't make the Final Four when it's all said and done. Who do you think presents the biggest challenge? Because obviously, right now you look at the teams outside them. I mean, Michigan looks like a big challenger, even though they've kind of been on pause for a few weeks. The big 10 has a ton of teams that you think possibly could with Illinois and Iowa and the way they play Houston out of the American could be someone that challenge. Who do you think presents the biggest challenge to Gonzaga and Baylor? You know, I think there are a bunch of teams, you know, I mean, you obviously have to wait to see when the brackets come out and who's there. I mean, uh, Michigan's very good. I think Ohio state is a team that's really emerging. They're terrific. You know, you got a bunch of teams in the Big Ten. And I'll tell you, Virginia's playing really well. You know, I mean, I know Gonzaga, you know, beat them up pretty good when they played, but Virginia's playing very well right now. The way they defend, you know, they can, they can beat it. They can pull off an upset. Um, Villanova, I know they lost, they looked bad the other night, but I'm not counting Villanova out. I think Creighton has all the potential to do it. And you never know. I mean, you we always see these teams that just get hot out of nowhere in March. And that's the thing. You know, everyone likes to just, you know, make these hot takes and say, well, this is what's going to happen. We don't know. It's This isn't college football. Their mm-hmm. upsets happen, you know. That's the beauty of the tournament is you get 68 teams and they all think they could they can do it. Realistically, obviously not all 68 can, but mm-hmm. you're going to be a handful of teams that that literally can make the Final Four. I mean, I, I just think we've seen too many surprises in the tournament over the years to think it's it's a foregone conclusion that this is going to be our national championship game. I just don't see it. Uh, I have one more question, and I would say just kind of zooming out a little bit, talking about the NCAA granting everyone the free year of eligibility. How do you think that affects scholarships recruiting here going forward? Yeah, that's a great question. I really don't know. It, it it's going to all depend on each school, you know, not, you know, while it's allowed, it doesn't mean a school doesn't, isn't forced to take it back. You know, some schools might say, look, we only have, we have so-and-so coming in. Like we just can't do it. You know, you're going to see a lot of kids that probably say I can't do it, but you're also going to see a good amount of kids come back, which to me is, which is good for the sport. You're, you're already seeing a lot of in college football, a lot of big name guys are coming back and that's good. It, 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 it creates better teams. It creates better competition. And I think you're going to see some of the college basketball. You know, I, I asked Rasheem Dunn the other day from St. John's, you know, he could come back next year for a sixth year. And he said, he's definitely open to it. Um, you know, I, I, I always think continuity and experience is always, always makes teams better. You know, having, having older guys cannot can only help. So I think it's a good thing. I also don't think it's a foregone conclusion that you're going to see tons and tons of guys come back, but I definitely think you will see some, and it's also going to depend on the school and 
you know, every school's probably going to handle this differently. Speaking with Zach Braziller, the New York Post, Zach, just a few more before I wrap this up. One of those guys who potentially could come back, maybe probably won't, but Luca Garza, who's been terrific for Iowa this year. I mean, 26 points a game. He's now shooting the ball 45% from three this year. Is he a lock for the player of the year right now? Do you think there's anyone that can touch him? I mean, obviously, Jared Butler's had a great year, one of the best two-way players in the country, Corey Kispert for Gonzaga. But do you think that any of them have a chance to take the Wooden Award when it's all said and done? Yeah, I think Garza's, is, you know, pretty pretty close to a lock. You know, I think Butler's got a shot there. You know, I was slipping up a little bit. But as long as Garza keeps putting up these numbers, I – I don't, I don't really see him not winning. The problem with the Gonzaga guys is they almost cancel each other out. You know, they have yeah. so many good players, and they're. It's kind of hard to pick between them. Um, I would, yeah, I would, I, I think ours is, you know, now I was got to win though. They've lost some games here that mm-hmm. isn't going to help, but the, but you know his numbers just are through the roof. I, he's going to have to really fall back and, and other guys are going to have to really emerge for, for something to change, I think. And going to the opposite end of the spectrum, on the freshman side, two of the best cards in the country right now, Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham. You're an NBA team looking at those guys. Who would you say is the better prospect right now and why? That's a, that's a tough one. If I'm an NBA team, I'd love either one. If I'm the <laughs> I can get either guy, I'd, I'd, I'd be ecstatic. I think they're both absolutely terrific. I mean, they're both great passers. They both score it. They both shoot it. Um, that's like a 1A and a 1AB, <laughs> basically. I mean, you know, it's hey, it's going to be really itchy with the Knicks right now. I mean, mm-hmm. the Knicks, they're playing well, but then they have the Mavericks pick, and the Mavericks are a mess. I mean, Knicks could end up yeah. with two top 10 picks, you know? And, and in this draft, that's huge because this is a loaded draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, people have talked about this draft for a few years now. And, you know, maybe imagine both the ping pong balls fall the next way and they, they, can, oh, pick, and they can pick between those two guys. I mean, those uh, – and it's not just them. You know, you have Jalen Green in the, in the G League who is mm-hmm. fantastic. Jonathan Kaminga is fantastic. Um, it is a – it is a loaded draft. If the Knicks could – if you could just – if the Knicks end up just with one top five pick, they'd be doing cartwheels. It should be exciting, and it's an exciting time to be in the metro area with the Knicks, the Nets, and obviously everything that's happening in college hoops. Zach, we really appreciate the time today. Before we let you go, who's your pick for Sunday? Oh, yeah, I mean, Chiefs are going to win the game. I mean, you don't pick about you, – you can't pick against Mahomes, you know. I kind of equated the that Chiefs-Browns game. I know Mahomes was hurt, but the Chiefs-Browns game was when, like, the NCAA tournament favorite – has like an early round game and they, they need like a buzzer beater or something like that just to get by. And then they cruise. That's kind of the way I see that game for the, for the chiefs. You know, they, they had their close call and, and now they're going to win. I like, I'm not saying they're going to blow them out. I'll go 38, 27. I, I just think Mahomes is just Mahomes and his weapons are just too damn good. And, you know, and I got to stick with my guy, Travis Kelsey, who I've had in my fantasy keeper league for about four <laughs> years. So, it's a great guy to have. And, Zach, we really appreciate the time. Again, once again, Zach Brazil of the New York Post taking some time with us on one-on-one. Zach, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy right. Sunday and have a good one. We did talk Fordham coaching. You want to get into it real quick? I'll answer a question, sure. Yeah, so, well, listen, obviously with the change this week, um, well, this past week, I would say my big question is for you, 
Well, I'll ask too. How desirable do you think this opening is going to be, first and foremost, being that no one's really been able to win at Fordham recently? And what direction would you go in in that co head coaching hire if you're Ed Cole? I mean, obviously, there's a few young guys out there. I, I know the two names I keep hearing are Jared Grasso from Bryant and Shaheen Holloway from St. Peter's, who I yeah. think would both be two home run hires. But what do you think about the prospects of this job and also of the direction that Fordham may go in? It's funny, you hear about the job and you hear different things. Some people say it's it's actually more appealing than people think because there's talk that Fordham's going to start putting much more money into the program. Then you hear other people say it's radioactive. You know, you, you a coach goes there, your career's, you know, going to take a huge hit. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think it's as bad of a job as some people think. I don't think it's maybe as appealing as others. They, they, the, there is a belief that they are going to put more money into the program. That means they're going to pay a coach more than they've paid. It means they're going to, you know, try to do some other things financially with, with the budget, which is significant. And if I'm making, if I'm Fordham, Shaheen Holloway is my number one choice. And I'm, I'm with doing you. anything I can to get him. I think he's terrific. He's a local guy. He's universally respected by high school and AAU coaches in this area. Um, Look what he's done at St. Peter's, which is an even worse job. You know, St. Peter's yeah. might be the worst job in the country. All due True. respect, you know, when you look at their gym and, you know, the situation and the amount of money they, they spend and all that stuff, um, he would be my top pick. You know, you've heard other some other big names. I know Steve Lavin is interested, Fran Fraschilla. You know, the one thing I've heard from foreign people is the number one trait they want in a coach as a recruiter. They – they, they see the kind of talent in the city. You know, where New York City now is kind of – you have a ton of mid-major guys now, which is right up Fordham's alley, obviously. Mm -hmm. Shaheen Holloway is terrific – is a terrific recruiter. I know these other guys can recruit too, but I he would be my guy. I don't know if he wants the job, um, but to me, he would be a no-doubt no guy. Steve Lavin would be interesting, I'll tell you. He, he would definitely add some flash to that job and, and, and turn some heads – but to me, I think you got to need you need a young guy who's really going to work and wants to try to kind of make a reputation for himself. But I am encouraged by what I've heard about that the administration understands if they want to turn this around, they need to really find a way to do some things there monetarily to not only attract a coach but to just boost that program up. I mean, you look at the guys Holloway got to Seton Hall when he was under Kevin Willard. I mean. Isaiah Whitehead, Kadeen Carrington, Desi Rodriguez, Angel Delgado. The list goes on and on for guys he's gotten there. And I'm, I'm right with you that, I mean, I think he would be my first choice for the job right now. But um, before I do get you out of here real quick, now that you got me rolling <laughs> on Fordham basketball, um, I, I do want to ask this question real quick because I meant you think recruiting is important, and I'm completely with you there. But do you think that going with someone young – who is probably going to view this Fordham job as a stepping stone to a bigger job. Do you think that should be significant at all in this process, as opposed to trying to get a guy who says, this could be my home for the next 10 years? That's an interesting question, you know, because if you do hire Shaheen Holloway, you got to kind of worry, well, what if Kevin Willard leaves Seton Hall? Is, is he going to be the guy they look to for Seton Hall? But I don't think you can kind of think like that. I think you, if you're, if you're Fordham and, you know, if you get a coach in here and he does well enough to where he can get another job, you just, you know, you, 
you got to accept it. That means he's doing, he did well in Fordham and, and maybe his top assistant, you could kind of just fill in there. I, I, I don't think that's something you have to, you can think about when you're hiring someone. I think you just got to think, you just got to hope you get the right guy. And look, if he does well enough and he chooses to leave, that means your program is doing better. And mm-hmm. that's a good thing. They need to find a way to just to, to get it a good, young, hardworking guy. You know, I just think Holloway is just too perfect. You cannot find a person to say a bad word about him. I think he would get players at Fordham and I think mm-hmm. he would win. I, I think Grasso would be terrific too. I think Jared is a is a very good recruiter. He's a good coach. He's done terrific things at Bryant so far. Uh, those are those would be my two guys. You know, no no retreads, no got no big name guys. Give me two guys who have a past history of working and recruiting and, and doing it and and getting it done. That's that's the way I'd look at it. Zach, now we really appreciate the time. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining us on one on one. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, and like I said, enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. All right, guys. Have a good one. My pleasure.